we need to. All right. How do we so start out our shows again? Like what, what's the, what's the script? Uh, uh, welcome to the Roping Dead show with Tom and, and Jeff. Jeff. All right. <laughs> so we are recording right now. We can edit it out as needed, but. Welcome to the Woken Dead show. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Tom. How are you? It's good to see you. I'm well. Welcome uh, back. It's uh, it's been a while since we've uh, re- we've recorded the Woken Dead show. Uh, <laughs> it's been a long time. It's been since the beginning of the pandemic, my friend. Yeah, we uh, the Woken Dead show had a small death uh, last year uh, because we were trying to follow the recommendations and we didn't have a Zoom setup. And now we're in a completely different situation, but we're back. And we're here to, I guess, capture the this moment in history. Uh, Joe Biden has just been elected. Um, Donald Trump has left the White House. Early. It's, it's a new, oh, he left early. Tell me about that. I know. It seems as though Trump gave a message and flew on the plane back to his home in Florida. Um <laughs> It was interesting watching the inauguration today where the news reporter said, Trump has the new codes for another 10 minutes. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, he has the new codes for another, uh, for another 10 minutes before they change over so that Biden can take control. I was like, how bad is this transition for our country right now? Then, like, the thing is, like, he, he's not a, he's not a, He's not a Machiavellian like world villain, right? He's not going to use the the fucking nuclear codes to to threaten Stormy Daniels, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he may he's going to hire some asshole to do that. Like, what is he benefiting from the nuclear codes? And like, he's not going to. I don't know. I know he's, he's a, a villain, but he's just not a. He's just like too narcissistic and too self-involved to i think like think about that kind of power what do you yeah i'm thinking he is just uh he became power sick and you can see that as soon as he realized he became president four years ago now Mm -hmm. where it was a moment where he was like i don't don't, don't think i want to be president i was just joking the whole time can i just go back and do a news channel or whatever it is he desired rem- to do you remember just how disappointed he looked when he got when when the votes came in or just like when it was kind of hitting him that he actually won because mm-hmm. like it it seemed like he just came in there to just throw punches and he's just like fuck everybody i'm gonna start a counter i'm gonna start a counter programming entity like something to to program against Fox News, and this is how I'm going to get my audience. And you know, and Hillary Clinton will become elected, and then we're going to shit on her for four years and talk about we're going to have the lock her up show and the yeah, like whatever. Yeah, lock her up with Sean Hannity. Lock her up. Um, fake news. There you go. We could have uh, done the, fake news, Jeff. We could have done fake news. This is sort of fake news already. So, you know, they could have, you know, built upon the Obama being, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Obama right. being. Why does Obama uh, still suck? Exactly. He's not really from America. The whole birther, birther right. movement would have been continued. The Tea Party 
that would have been a show the birthers like it would have been a show about them like exploring the planet and uncovering clues about obama's hidden hidden uh, legacy or or hidden origins as a as a kenyan or whatever the fuck (laughs) exactly it will be hosted by alex jones on every night so you know everyone hates tucker carlson but we could have been stuck with alex jones so we need to really be mindful well that's what we're gonna get probably now is like he's gonna start i mean now he says he's gonna start a third part or another political party the Mm. patriot party or something have you heard Mm. about this oh that's interesting because you know I've I've heard rumors or, or kind of the the buildup about the People's Party. Um, right, right. Like, what if what if in four years we're voting, or or what if in you know three and a half years or whatever? Like, it turns out that these two offshoot, you know, these two evolutions of the completely broken, ineffective political system that we have right now produce two children called the patriot party and the people's party and they're the ones who actually uh you know make up the american uh, election i wonder if that's even possible like like is there something in the constitution that requires us to vote for these particular parties or is it just they're the ones in power and they just have the legacy and they just do everything they can to prevent any kind of competition. It may be all of the above, Tom. Uh, you know, when you factor in that it takes a billion dollars to yeah. win a race, not yep. alone your down ballot um, uh, runoff races or, or just races in general, I should say, is, 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 is a cause for concern and it, it really the people will find a way to get their voice heard. And yeah. as we yeah. saw two weeks ago, they found a way to be heard, whether it was comical, disgraceful, whatever you want to kind of coin it as. You want to um, talk about, can we just say it was a bit of both columns? I mean, like, yeah, because like I pictures. did laugh seeing that guy carrying Nancy Pelosi's podium away. Yeah. Did make, did make me chuckle like he looked like he was having a, a good time but um yeah there were maniacs there with fucking zip ties and knives and guns and they beat a police officer to death um one woman got shot one woman I, got I shot total of five people that end up being like injured dead. or killed dead yeah so five dead bodies you know that would have that would have been enough for a painting in the Revolutionary War, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, Trump wouldn't have been in the front like George Washington was when he was crossing the Delaware River. He would have been no, in the back no, no, no. in his luxury yacht saying, He's not even on people. the battlefield. He's fucking tweeting from Mar-a-Lago in the safety of his bedroom while he's playing with himself and watching Fox News and right. eating a fucking McDonald's meal or whatever. Yes. Like. I can see him eating McDonald's meal, but that first part, yeah. I don't uh, think of. <laughs> is it a happy meal? Is it a normal meal? It's not a happy meal. It's, it's a Trump debate. meal. <laughs> you have Big Macs, big egos, and uh, instead of high sodium French fries, you just hide narciss- narcissistic, narcissistic 
tendencies. What if, what if that's what he does with his legacy? He's like, you know what? I just want to try something different. I'm going to start a fast food chain and it's just called Trump's and maybe it catches on. Maybe the food is so good. that <laughs> You know, I believe it will catch on probably, probably uh, despite his schooling. I don't know. Well, anything he's touched has not caught on. Do you think so... in, in eight to 12 years, he'll have rehabilitated his image maybe by becoming a painter or something and well, we'll forget about how terrible he was. Oh dear God. Um, seeing George W. revered as this nice, great guy who's really good friends with Michelle Obama um, and, and, you know, hearing the words that, oh, he wasn't as bad as Trump. It's like, do you have any flipping idea? Do we all have short-term memory where this guy lied this administration lied to get us into yep two wars that we're still and, in and i have given him too much credit by saying that like oh it wasn't him it was dick cheney really pulling the strings and he was a puppet master but you know this guy was part of this fucking ruling class that that really is in power um you know i mean like let's remember that he was in his own way the Ivanka of his <laughs> you know of his generation um he's just the descendant of a former president he it's just as odious that he was made president as if and we will be seeing her eventually Chelsea Clinton being the fucking president of this country like no doubt she's going to be running and she'll be just as obnoxious as her mother and her father. Um, mm. But, you know, whatever. No, it's you really sad. You just got sad. canceled, Jeff, so. I know. We're, <laughs> we're asking for it anyway. We're, we're going back to the original Joe Rogan days when you can just say whatever you want. So, <laughs> um, but right now I feel it was really, it was, it was odd, Tom, watching the inauguration where, you know, we celebrated the old new guard, or should I say the new old guard, returning back to their old ways that got us nowhere over the past 25, 30 years. And uh, to see all the presidents standing on that stage reclaim the throne was, was not a celebratory moment. It's like, did like, did we forget who they are and how we got here uh, because of their policies, because of their politics, uh, because of their moderate, moderate beliefs on what they envisioned America, America could be. And um, yeah, things will be civil and boring and quiet again, but that's going to come with a cost and we're we're going to find out the hard way what that cost is, uh, which may come five, 10 years later. Uh, and, and people wonder how we got where we did is because we keep buying into the rhetoric of these politicians as opposed to monitoring the behavior of what our government is doing because they're not really, in my opinion, humble opinion, fighting on behalf of who they should be representing outside of representing the people that spent all the money to get them elected. It's so. it are, their whole, their whole existence has been corrupted. Just, you know, like 
I think I think back to when to the nineties. Um, something I learned recently, you know, in the last year or so, is that in the nineties, when Newt Gingrich was in power, um, one of the major changes he made to our government was basically he fired two thirds of all the government intelligence intelligentsia, the professors and nerds and paper pushers and intellectuals that you know decided what was real or not and essentially privatized this in the form of think tanks and you know like um uh the coke to puss yeah um council on foreign relations there you I think go that's been around for a while but um these lobbyist groups these huge lobbyist groups they impact legislation um they impact commerce uh, trade yeah uh, foreign policy uh, well and and so to just to add to that and to add what you were talking about earlier um i was watching an interview with thomas frank who wrote what's the matter with kansas and listen liberal and the people know um highly recommend checking out his work and he was pointing out that something very unique has happened within the democratic party recently and it's that like they are now all the elites are essentially moving into the democratic party and that 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 like that's where all the kind of you know the one percent of this country are kind of all migrating towards there used to be a traditional separation the elites belonged to the Republican Party. They represented and worked for the rich. And the Democratic Party was aligned with labor movements. And they represented workers. And now there is no party of the workers. Uh, I mean, there's the Republican Party that masquerades as a party of the workers, but ultimately just serves big business. Um, and then there's the Democratic Party, which has no more relationship with labor because there is no labor left in America, really. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and I want to build, uh, kind of piggyback on that, Tom, because it feels like there's a war on the middle class. And uh, it, it seems like there's always been a war on the middle class to just eradicate them and make them indentured servants. Yeah. And uh, I feel right now the poor will get their needs met, but the middle class will suffer the brunt of the next four or five years, if not the last eight years, well, last four years, then the next four years combined, uh, they'll suffer a lot Yep. brunt of the policies being passed. And the upper middle class, unfortunately, they're going to get taxed more because one thing I'm noticing, you can't argue, you know, when we, when we think about Trump's legacy, uh, his legacy really is uh, he changed a mantra that you are uh, what, do you, what, do you, what, what is the saying? The saying is I am fiscally conservative uh, oh, but socially liberal or yeah that's no longer relevant in the Republican Party anymore because he did something in four years which you know put us eight trillion dollars in debt 
Um, I don't think Obama did that in eight years. So the the give the tax giveaway to, to well, corporations well, and the rich. The United States budget oh. was expanded to eight trillion dollars out of just the right. Fiscal so, conservatism is a joke. Is a joke, and they only care about conservative or fiscal conservatism when Democrats are in party or in power. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the minute that that I mean, I'm sure as of today they're changing their tune and saying, "Oh, we have to balance the budget," and mm-hmm. uh, you know, and there is no such thing as balancing the budget when you spend eight trillion dollars or request $8 trillion to expand on a military industrial complex every year, a trillion dollars without any argument or any hesitancy, you you just do that. So now the question is, now that we have Biden, Biden in the office in the Democratic Party has the Senate and Congress, mm-hmm. you know, that pretty much means the floodgates are open and we don't know what can happen to our, our own currency when, you know, we, we only have, you know, I don't know, I, I think this is like a trillion, like two trillion actual cash dollars floating around. Uh, These so numbers everyone, are so just enormous and meaningless. Right. To, They're just to, to average people. They've just become such a, abstractions. Like, it's yeah. just like, like the difference between a million dollars and a billion dollars is the difference between like a postage stamp and a swimming pool, right? Mm-hmm. And so then you compare that to a trillion dollars and you're just like, we're, we're just in outer space at this we're, point. We have no point of reference. Right. Th- these numbers are so huge, right? And um and and I, I hope that we what we learn from all the I hope that the American consciousness and I think we may be learning this takes away from this moment where we we are giving away money to people who need it. Mm-hmm. We're demonstrating to the American people, hey, we can totally do this cash cash distribution thing. Um, <laughs> I completely agree with that, Tom, because it's, it feels like every day or every other day the stock market hits new all-time highs and to understand that we have i don't know about 50 million people out of work maybe that's a little bit higher is so fucked right and 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 yet and that's the something i i heard from from crystal ball that i love um and she she's she heard it from someone else and so i'm sorry i'm not crediting them but um that that the stock market is just a graph of rich people's feelings. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's all it is. Right. Um, and and right now it's been feeling pretty good. And with the new administration, that may change. And it can change at uh-huh. any moment where, you know, it can be tightened down. No one knows. But I mean at some point you have to be able to realize that someone's typing digits into a computer and saying you owe them with interest. Um, How long will that stand the test of time? I don't know. Um, It's just a matter of time where, you know, everyone talks about Venezuelan socialism, but we're not talking about the Fed and the United States Treasury printing money like crazy. Yeah, uh, Obama, I think, was the first to consider the 
idea of minting a trillion dollar coin because that's what you can do. And when you're ahead of the federal government, you can just print your own money if you need to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so yeah, like what do the people who stand the most to lose if he devalues the currency to the tune of a trillion dollars? Mm-hmm. You know, they lose a little bit of money, right? Like, the, and, and that little bit of money you know, is relative to them, like to us, it would be an enormous amount of money. But um, to them, it's just like, you know, a, a few digits. <laughs> like, right. It, digits especially if you're paying that person. So, hey, I'm going to pay you, you know, what, what was a long time ago, two weeks worth of pay in a day because of the currency being lesser than what it used to be, uh, you know, it has ramifications where, you know, I think of uh, Venezuela all the time. I hate to bring it up, but, you know, you have skilled, qualified individuals that it takes, you know, a week and a half or two weeks to be able to, to be able to buy a hamburger, you know, at a cart. So there, there's some, there's some concerns that um, we have to be careful of when we, go down these routes. And I, I feel that people do need a certain cut on the money that's being spent. However, we also need to be mindful of uh, what the future entails with this money, because it's, it's, it's pretty scary to see us in the next maybe couple months drop out two, three trillion more dollars to deal with the pandemic and COVID relief, which is ne- needed. Um, are they the people to facilitate who needs it the most, the best? That's what they got voted for. We'll find out. Uh, but it's, it's going to be, it's going to be weird. Um, because at any point, someone can control your money. And it's, it's kind of freaky to wake up and say, oh, wow, the government just gave me $600. So if they give it, they can also take it, in my opinion. And um, that that is pretty alarming. Maybe that's too much of a tinfoil hat of me, but it, we, we really need to I take it like the banks, the banks are probably in more power in that relationship than we we probably know about. And, and I feel like... Um, People would be up in arms if the government just started pulling money out of people's bank accounts without their consent um, or knowledge. Like, I, I do feel like, I mean, yeah, in a way, like, yeah, like when we kind of just sort of extrapolate from the situation and we just see, okay, like, you know, you, you're so rarely holding money. Yeah, this is my tinfoil hat, like, uh, I guess. Uh, moment or or they're just numbers right it's we've we've converted money from i mean maybe a poor system of basing it on gold um to just maybe another poor system which is based on numbers that people can manipulate right Mm -hmm. um so so neither system is perfect um i i mean in a way being able to manipulate the currency with with numbers is you know, offers us flexibility, right? Um, it lets Obama mint a trillion dollar coin, devalue the currency generally, um, 
because there's, you know, and, and which essentially lessens the power of the money in the rich people's bank accounts. Right. Um, if, if say, uh, Andrew Yang became the president and he's like, I'm going to pass UBI and I have full control of the government and I'm going to mint trillion dollar coins to pay for it because Amazon won't help me or something like that. Cause he wanted to do the, uh, value added tax to, to tax every like Amazon purchase or whatever. Um, but let's say he went this direction instead and he was just like, I'm going to, you know, mint these trillions of dollars. Um, that's a way of essentially going into the bank accounts of the rich and saying, we're going to take a little bit of your money. Um, I mean, it's also inflation, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, but um, if that's the only way that we can get the rich who are hoarding their cash in greater and greater amounts than ever before in history if that's the only way that we can get them to pitch in and help out then okay they made their bed now we're going to lie in it (laughs) exactly and 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 you know it comes to the point where i i'm really being mindful of just as those people that ran on the capitol they are americans just as much as everyone else and just as many millionaires that we have in this country or billionaires that we have they are also american and being a millionaire is hardly meaningful anymore you know Mm -hmm. i it's uh something i read it's a sad disparity but uh one in seven white households have at least a million dollars or you know so so that's the value of all their assets one in 50 black households meets that criteria. So obviously just another sad disparity in our American reality. But I was just almost more surprised that one in seven white households are fucking millionaires. I'm like, how far have I fallen behind? <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> right. So when, when we talk about healing the soul of the nation, uh, you know, we have to think about what are we healing? Um, because we, we're healing uh, a, a nation's history that is nothing but trauma. And we don't even want to acknowledge the trauma as a collective unit to be able to move forward. So therefore, without that, there's no true healing that, it, that can never happen. So what I would love to see is, you know, it, you know me, Tom. I'm. I've never. I've always gone on the record of saying, I was never smitten by Obama the first or second time because he was a politician in my point of view. I mean, um, I think you probably smelled through the bullshit that you know. A lot of us just couldn't help but ignore, or, or we just. You want I, hope. Yeah, Everybody we, wants hope. we really, really, I did buy into the hope and the change stuff. Because I mean, you know, after after just seeing George Bush, I mean, you know, like the the two the two elected officials that dominated, you know, kind of like my um, growth to the age of understanding, as it's known, or whatever. Like from the time I was a child to the time I was an adult. Those two people were Bill Clinton and George Bush. Bill Clinton, a dark character in my mind. A, I mean, a Machiavellian, you know, power-hungry person. Um, that hangs for, out with Jeffrey Epstein. 
yeah and for some reason we we don't care about his sexual indiscretions anymore um but you know trump's we have to remember every single one of them um even the ones that didn't happen i and i don't know what the truth is but i'm sure there's a lot of bullshit in mixed into what i know about his sexual indiscretions mm-hmm. um i know he's a creep um but kind of so is Joe Biden. I don't know. Um, right. So, like, I mean, they're all... But but the other figure, right, I'm sorry to cut oh, you off, but, but the other figure that I grew up with was George Bush. These two people who just, I feel like, represent the worst expressions of their respective parties. And that's like what we grew up with. And so, yeah, then Obama comes along and he's like, hey, guys, like, like I'm a Democrat who believes in stuff and like, I'm going to say all this somewhat, somewhat progressive, you know, stuff to get elected. Um, and uh, it was irresistible. And then, yeah, enters Hillary Clinton or, you know, the, 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 they're fighting it out. Right. They, they were, uh, that was, that was the, the match of the century as far as I saw it then. Like I, mm-hmm. I, uh, I felt like she was just such a cynical person. And even though I am kind of excited about Kamala Harris being the first woman vice president, um, not, not for, you know, any special reason, I don't really, I'm not a fan of hers or anything, but I think it is somewhat significant and notable that like, Hey, we've, we've crossed a boundary that so many other countries have crossed and it's, the bare minimum right vice president like if you've ever seen veep you just know how absurdly pointless (laughs) i haven't seen veep yet but um veep is probably one of the best most accurate expressions of our political discourse and and the joke is if you're not already aware that julia louis dreyfus plays the vice president of america and you don't know what party she belongs to and they carry this joke through like seven seasons or something you never know whether she's a democrat or a republican it's never made clear they're all, they always talk about oh on the other side what a bunch of assholes like <laughs> and, awesome. and it's just such a and the fact that they were able to make so much hay out of this joke that they are so similar right these these two parties um, and if you want to talk more about healing the soul, we can, but I, I'm no, curious no. if you perfect. wanted to talk about the, these, you know, the, um, incestuous relationship that the Republican and democratic parties have with one another, just how seeming like at the same time, we've become so divided and polarized. There are so few bills that are made in a bar- bipartisan way. Um, and yet they may, you know, they carry water for each other in so many ways and basically lock out any competition and prevent us from really exploring, you know, bold solutions for big problems that we're facing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Uh, Noam, Noam Chomsky, I'm sorry, I'm just going to, I'll wrap up and, and then I want to want to get your thoughts on this noam chomsky refers to the republican party as the greatest threat to humankind and i agree with him 
um, that, you know, because of what they do to embolden like big oil uh, destroying our climate. Um, and I kind of fear that because of this relationship between the Democratic Party and the Republican Party that seem to sort of embolden and reinforce one another, like if the Democratic Party is not the second greatest threat to humankind, um, what do you think about that? Um, I'm thinking the Democratic Party is the new Republican Party. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, going back to what we discussed previously, I, there, there may be a couple, if not one at least, new party that can come into the, the sphere of government, gov uh, politics, and provide some other tangible solutions for people to say, okay, I think I want to try this out for a little bit. Because right now, seeing even um, Colin Powell and all the other former Republicans flock back to Joe Biden and the Democratic administration, it's going to be boring again. It's going to be civil. Everyone's going to say the right things at the right time. But the behaviors that Trump really pushed to the limit, um, they feel they will probably feel more comfortable being able to do the similar pushing of those limits, whether it becomes to whether it entails in increasing military. Uh, more sanctions, the surveillance um, state, surveillance state. Um, we we really need to be mindful on foreign intervention, foreign intervention, whatever, whatever the things that each presidential predecessor puts down. Um, it, it becomes a bigger issue for the incoming president. Because now they, it's like, it's a test is, you know, how far can I push it? And he did it. How can we do it in a little bit more subtle way where it's just generally accepted by the, the, the population, the normal population. So uh, I really, it's hard. Um, I think we discussed about this last year where, you know, we were comparing the differences between Biden and Trump and uh, on paper at that time, there was really little to no difference. And even Biden said, there's nothing that's going to fundamentally change, but he's getting yep. pressure from progressives now who, you know, they still have to play the game. And um, if they do the same thing that the Republicans did, where you see Mitch McConnell and even Mike Pence himself uh, separating themselves from Trump because now is about their political careers uh, enduring and continuing on because you know Trump is not a politician. He's going to go back, probably get hit with a whole bunch of lawsuits like he normally was anyway. Um, it goes back to them being able to survive in that political world. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if progressive do something similar to that where they have now tasted the sweet nectar of being honorable, whatever you are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and now you want to be in the fray as opposed to be willing to risk your career. Um, They've bought into, I, they, I mean, the system has absorbed them. They are now, I mean, if we're talking about AOC, she's now full-fledged politician. 
she's you know she's now gonna have to lie to people to you know to 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 get ahead and she's gonna have to disappoint people she's gonna have to go go against the things she promised um because that just seems to be the gig i mean it like when we were talking earlier just about like like I mean, one of the things that is generally wrong about the way that politicians have to operate these days is that so much of their time is dedicated to fundraising. So like, you know, you get this job and you're supposed to, to work on legislation to affect change in your country, but oh, first you gotta go and you gotta make money for the party. It's like when you were in middle school and they were like, hey, you have to, you know, here's like your little pamphlet of crap you have to go and sell to the neighborhood and you have to go door to door and you have to like, hey, do you want to buy some of this crap or some candy bars or something like that? Um, that was something I was never comfortable with. And that's mm-hmm. why I could never be a politician because I don't want to fundraise for half of my time. Mm-hmm. I don't have to beg rich people for money. And that's really what they're doing. They're calling up their, I mean, I think, like one of the things you were mentioned, I think you said it was like a billion dollars to run for for office. They do this thing um, I've heard called Rolodexing, where um, they're like, we, we're going to go through your phone contacts and we want you to identify every person in your phone contacts that can give you money. And like, you know, who is a millionaire or a hundred thousandaire or somebody who can give you a significant amount of cash. Um, it's... And like, so, so that's not ordinary people. Like, <laughs> no. And, and everyone has their, you remember uh, Buttigieg, Pete Buttigieg? Mm-hmm. How, how can I name. forget about Mayor Pete? And Mayor Pete. <laughs> Former and his, Mayor Pete. Yeah. Now I don't know what his job is. He's going to be transportary, transportation <laughs> yes. secretary or something yeah. like that. Yeah. He so, really wanted that job. <laughs> I guess so. You know, so that whole, I don't want to get into what happened that South Carolina primary, but um, I believe we did get into it a little bit, but it's interesting to see, you know, that flashback of what he was doing when he was in the caves with all the rich people <laughs> and having in dinner wine and wine. Yeah, 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 in the wine cave. So like- With he got caught. <laughs> Exactly. So I was just like, I don't, we've, we've got to figure out a better way to get proper representation. And it, it, it if it involves money, uh, I don't know if that's the best way. And, you know, even seeing Bernie there inauguration today, he's going to be, what is he going to be? Uh, the chairman of the budget? Budget committee, yeah. So, Which is the silver lining in all of this. I mean, if there's right. one silver lining, it's that he gets to be the chair of the budget committee and he gets to approve near attendance. <laughs> Uh, cabinet uh, position he's going to be the one who's going to get to point to all the shit that she says on Twitter a lot of times about him and the progressives even though she calls herself a progressive and founded some progressive supposedly think tank but it's all bullshit she's just uh, it's interesting because they say Kamala is a progressive and she's yeah. gonna fold to the she's progressive the most side. liberal politician ever elected. But that's I the don't thing. Think it's like, so. like if this was if if this was two thousand four, we would all be calling her Kamala flip flopper because that's what they got John Kerry on. Is just mm-hmm. like, well, he would take one position, and then maybe sometimes reasonably change his mind because new evidence, new data. 
um, a convincing argument made him change his mind. And I generally am okay with that. But like Kamala just doesn't seem to have any principles. Like she just is like, I'm going to favor this because it'll get me ahead politically. Not because I, you know, want to help this constituency or because I feel passionate about this. It just seems like she's an opportunist. Um, Yeah. And, and, you know, she's also during this year. That might make her the most basic of all, I mean, uh, of any politician. I mean, like to me, that's the most basic political behavior. Anyways, you were saying, sorry. Oh, oh, yeah. No, uh, during this year, she won or got nominated during a time of riots and protest. Um, and she is essentially a cop. Like she is, she a is prosecutor. the top cop. And um, a lot of her policies uh, got brought to light when she was the top cop. And despite that, uh, she still was nominated for, and now is vice president. So it, it's going to be really interesting to learn about how she changes if she changes, uh, because a lot of her policies, from my understanding, hurt uh, California and uh, especially criminal justice reform. So she clawed her way to the top, all due respect to her. She got in through a messy situation and now she's vice president. But I feel it's really odd to have a cop usher yeah. in this healing of the, the healing of the nation when but, and in fact we but had who's her counterpart it's a perfect match sorry you, you were oh, saying uh who was the other guy um who was obama's attorney general i can't remember eric uh, eric yes um eric what's his uh damn it i know who we know who he is eric Gardner, not Eric Gardner as a football player. (laughs) (laughs) But um, Eric Holder. Eric Holder, thank you. And I I should know that it's Eric Holder because I've seen him in person. That's who I went to see at the Brother Jeff's with with, when Jenna Griswold was there. And I was very uncomfortable, but it was still worth it. It was good to see it. That's all right. I'm I'm proud that you went, Tom. So it it was- was I didn't know where I was going. I was just, somebody texted me and they were like, hey, Eric Holler's going to be at this place. Do you want to go? I'm like, sure, I'd love to. Right. (laughs) And we we tend to forget that the whole Black Lives Matter movement came about under the first Black president. And- um, Eric Holder ushered in a lot of this National Guard and um, the clamping down of kind of this approach of everyone need to pull up their pants. The militarization of our police forces. Right. And he completely upheld that. So now that we have, I don't know if there is a correlation, but we have a cop as vice president. Do we expect anything different? Um, It's hard to say no. So now you have not only one side causing riots, you have another side, albeit silly or serious or whatever it is, upset about the current state of America. So a uh, a patchwork quilt of insanity uh, <laughs> <laughs> at the, yeah. the Capitol. So let's let's talk about these lunatics. I mean, um, I'm torn, Jeff. On the one hand, I just see the actually racist people with the nazi flags or the confederate flags 
or you know the people with the guns and the knives and the zip ties and then i see the grandmas who are there and they're just like wearing their trump shit and they're just there because they love their their man or whatever and and the people who are there out of perhaps sheer desperation and ignorance and and you know not seeing any other way to 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 for to be heard in our political system um like i sent you that video of that gal who's like i got maced and oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. and they're like why what what were you doing because this was like just as this was happening and she got maced and she's coming out of the capital and she's like in tears and and she's like it was gonna be a revolution <laughs> yeah no there's no revolution the the election is over um again we have short-term memory tom i think we've forgotten about bush gore um we didn't have technology during that time as mm-hmm. as as rampant as we do now uh but elections are selections i've heard that a long time ago and um i don't like i don't want to hear people from voting or participating in that process because i think it does i mean it benefits especially local and state um I do feel like it's like the one thing that we all get to do and that like when the system works, we should all do it because it's the only way that the system works. And it's this kind of chicken or egg situation. Mm -hmm. But I feel like we've been kind of spinning further and further away from that, that system that does work. I do feel like representative democracy is a great idea. And I think it's, you know, if you want to, feel like America is great at all in any way, like that's part of the formula that did make it that way. Um, I think it's arguable that America has ever been great. I think we've always kind of had some gross parts and some shady shit and some um, some some things that we kind of hide from ourselves, um, things we hide from e- uh, each other, from other countries. And the problem is we can't hide all that shit anymore. There is no more hiding in the age of the inter- internet. As you were saying, like a lot has changed from the 2000 election. What, um, unfor- I mean, you know, as I see Al Gore kind of like evolve and grow, I do feel like we were kind of robbed of his presidency because I would have, I would have way preferred him over Clinton. Like I would have preferred him over Obama. I mean, he was very speaking very clearly about maybe one of the most major problems, issues facing our species, global warming, and was laughed at, laughed at by me because I was loving that South Park shit that was making fun of him. <laughs> and I feel so bad and dumb for, for laughing at him. Um, I mean, I always believed it was real. Like I believe because the science was has been there. There's evidence that you know, uh, all these big oil companies have been trying to cover up since the 70s, since they themselves established, since Shell Oil Company did an investigation and determined we are a threat to the human species. We're going to cover this up. <laughs> right, right. And before I get into Al Gore again, tell me again, um, the first thing I want to ask going back do you do you think 
that electoral college should be abolished? It seems that in a way we are currently like a lot of states uh, uh, locally passed essentially a defer deference to the popular vote, essentially doing away with the, the power of the electoral college to impact. So, so like in Colorado, we passed a law that's going to say all the electors of Colorado will follow the lead of the popular vote. So um, I think the part, part of what makes America work is that it is very complicated and that there are all of these little nuanced municipal variations on rules and things that make America very difficult to hack. Like, you know, like if, if you, if you use the same password on every platform, you're very easy to hack, right? Like if all you have to figure out is one password, but America, we have a different password for everything, right? So it's, it's not as easy to permeate our system as people want to believe, as the conspiracy theorists want to convince themselves that this election was stolen. Um, it's not as easy as they think. Yeah, I don't even so, know if they are conspiracy theorists at this point. <laughs> so, so, They're just I mean, crazy. I mean, yeah, what's the conspiracy? Like, yeah. you got to actually conspire something. You got to invent some evidence, people. Anyways, yeah. um, so... The, uh, what do I think about the electoral college? Should we do away with it? I don't know. <laughs> like, um, I, like something that else that happened here in Colorado, uh, is that we did away with the uh, caucus system. So we're now just on a primary. Um, and in a way I liked the caucus system. Now there are arguments to be made against it. Like, um, caucusing with your neighbors uh, gives you opportunity to debate and, and discuss um, and promote your candidate. Uh, but it also puts you in the same room with maybe your boss. And um, maybe that creates uncomfortable situations for, for certain people. And maybe in certain situations, a caucus is really not a good idea because it's uh, taking away people's autonomy and prevents them from voting authentically. Um, so I think there are arguments to be made for and against it, but I just really enjoyed that process. And I wonder if what we're losing in that change in the, you know, in this state's process is going to be reflected in the change of that grander national system. Like if we did do away with the electoral college, what are we losing? What is the trade-off here? Um, it's hard to tell. I, I worry that part of why we would do that is because the Republicans ha managed to, with their organization, hack the electoral college system. That's part, you know, with gerrymandering, um, they, they managed to red map, as they put it, the whole country. And they are wildly successful. I mean, we, the Democrats are the, of the last couple decades are the biggest fucking losers uh, the, the, uh, of any political party. I mean, like why, why do people want to celebrate them when they, all they seem to do is just lose magnificently in the ways that matter. I, I mean, I'm glad that they now control the government and I hope they can actually do something for, you know, average Americans. But my guess 
is they're going to pass a lot of bullshit and then they're going to lose all that power because they don't do anything for the American people. And then they're going to, you know, find a way to ju- to blame it on the Republicans. <laughs> the, the reason why they didn't do anything and, they, and, it, and that they lost and that it's all Mitch McConnell's fault or something mm-hmm. like that. Again. And I just feel like we got to stop scapegoating. Like we got to stop blaming everything on Mitch. I mean, he is a villain. He is a terrible dude, but not everything is his fault. He's doing what he is paid for. And, and like, I think we just got to recognize like, that's, that's what this is about. This is about power. And I think that's what he understands. And he's just like, I'm not here to play games. I'm going to fuck you over as often as I possibly can. And the only way I'm going to do anything to help you is if you wield your power against me. And, and so I think like he's playing the game and the Democrats are pretending that they don't have power that they really do have um, because they don't want to do anything. Yeah. I, I, I haven't been able to figure it out for years on constantly seeing democratic leadership fold or never have a spine. Um, during the Clinton years, I was wondering when the democratic spot, the, the democrat democratic leadership would grow a spine, and I never saw it. And then you know when Al Gore came along and he folded, uh, I'm with the Supreme Court, I believe, ruled and you know said George W. is is president, and he folded with no issue, he didn't do anything nearly as Trump did. Um, and he probably had more ground to actually act out and do as much as possible. I think he did a little like fight back, but he didn't do anything really at all. Then John Kerry came along after that and he was a joke. And you know, it was just constantly, and then Obama came along and seeing Hillary, Hillary actually had that fight, but no one likes her. So <laughs> it was kind of like, <laughs> Like, I, I feel like there are people who fight to win because they believe in something bigger. And then I feel like there are other people who fight to win because they just want to win and they just want to own their opponents. They just want to dunk on the competition, but they don't actually have any reason to do so. They just want to make that dunk. And the problem is like, if you don't have any reason for this to be, you know, um, trying to dominate other people, then I think that that's even, or has its own problems, I guess. Um, I don't want to say it's worse, but it just seems very pointless. Um, yeah. And that's how our society works. Um, unfortunately right now, um, we're, we're uh, there may be some transitioning happening where we're really aspiring to become a collective community. Mm. But, uh, you know, it's, it goes back again to healing the soul of a nation and, and we're healing something that has... Lady Gaga and, uh, and, and fucking Alex Jones are going to join hands and, and that's, that's what's going to happen, do you think? <laughs> Well, you know, I don't think that's going to happen, but you know, I didn't think Garth Brooks was going to be able to sing Amazing Grace. (laughs) It was always nice seeing Garth. So um, hook me up with some next tour tickets, Garth. (laughs) But, um, you know, anything can happen and 
the kumbaya moments, all symbolic. And if we didn't learn anything from the last eight years of Obama, rhetoric and symbolism doesn't get us anywhere. And we really need to figure out a way to implement policies that help the average American. And also I may add, doesn't hinder rich people. I mean, rich people, should they get taxed more? Yeah, maybe, but honestly, if I was rich, I would probably be looking at other countries that will be more inviting to conduct whatever I do there. So I just don't know how you get more inviting than America. I mean, if you can be Betsy DeVos and be as pointless as she is and still have 10 yachts or whatever the hell. Um, that's something that we need to think about though, Tom. Be Kim Kardashian be famous for a sex tape and a big butt. I mean, you know, yeah, it's nice, I I'm just, just saying, Tom, <laughs> you know, but not all of us are have the butt of Kim Kardashian. Right, Some right, of right. us have just enough to say we have a million point five or two million. So, which we already discussed that that's nothing anymore. Um, it's yeah, a lot for it's us, it's kind of average in a way, it's pretty average. <laughs> So now we have to understand um, kind of with inflation and everything else moving in direction, how do we keep people conducting commerce? And, you know, the United States problem is, is a corporation to a certain degree. We, you got to be able to figure out a way to pay the exorbitant amount of new debt that you're adding on. So you can't kick the rich people all out. So you have to be able to figure out a way to keep them in. Maybe this is all nonsense, but this is just me thinking of someone else. Because if I made $2 million, $3 million, $4 million a month, like, I don't know, not a month, but a year, you know, if I did that on my own accord, I would want to keep, I don't want to pay half of that to the government. Key phrase, on my own accord, continue. Right. right. So I don't want to pay half of that to the government. I want to figure out a way to uh, keep that in the business. Or but you, you still know, get people... to be a millionaire, even if you're paying half of it. And, and like, look, I I agree, I agree. But like, you have to think in our world that we live in now. Uh, you know, a lot of people will find loopholes, which we, you know, our whole government is a loophole, and mm -hmm. people will figure out a way to not pay anything at all. So. Right. We, uh, what's the first uh, rule of economics? People respond to incentives, mm -hmm. right? And we have incentivized people with means to protect those means by any means necessary. <laughs> yeah. And absolutely. so um, I, I don't blame them. I would be a player hater if I blamed them. <laughs> we don't want to be haters. Or. <laughs> for doing what is totally legal and encouraged by our economic system. Um, but, but the thing, and so that's when I'm just like, okay, don't hate the players, hate the game, right? The game is the problem. The rules are unfair. They are, and, and the thing, you know, um, and these people who, who, you know, who have an inflated ego that they think that like, they just like invented the millions of dollars in in a bubble 
in isolation, in a vacuum, without any outside influence, without driving their businesses' cars on American streets and roads and highways that were built by taxpayer money, um, that they, you know, uh, that they or their employees were not benefiting from the public school system that educated them, uh, that set them up for success to some degree. Um, that's 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 us collectively investing in these opportunities, right? That yeah. this person turned into opportunity, and I think that they should be they should benefit from their efforts and their ingenuity and their creative abilities. But there's got to be a limit, and I just don't. I I suspect that they are just as uncomfortable fucking stepping over homeless people to get into their two million dollar home as anyone else. And, I would agree. And I would I would think that they would want a system that could like just slice a little bit off of their income and give that away to people who really need it because otherwise their money's just sitting in a fucking bank doing nothing. And, and so then, you know, it's just a number at that point. And, and I feel like I'll, and I'll wrap this up. I, I just feel like the, the problem with these, these individuals kind of like gaining this kind of disproportionate power without really knowing what power is, how to wield it. Um, having this abstraction of money and, you know, that basically lets them do whatever they want to never really experience fear or insecurity. Um, and then, you know, like in the more extreme versions with like Jeff Bezos and, uh, and now the richest man in the world, Elon Musk somehow, um, <laughs> that they, that they, we've created these kind of like modern demigods. They're like, they're like, you know greek gods who you know like elon musk can shoot flames and fucking bore <laughs> holes and uh fly to space fly and to space. and send a car silently through your neighborhood they, <laughs> right cool exactly. i will spy on you yeah probably. So, I, 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 you know well you you raised some good points tom because you know over the past year there was or well the last big tax cuts that Trump implemented that was specifically for the wealth. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've, we've seen this trickle down economics, not work over and over and over and over again, but we continue to try it. So, but we're fearful of trying it's a, something. It's, a, it's, grassroots. It's, such a, it's such a great lie, isn't it? Trickle down mm -hmm. economics. It's yeah. just such a great way to say like, like, don't worry, you'll get your slice. Exactly. Like while you're fucking shoveling pie right. into your face or whatever. Well, here's the deal. They're getting more products to make more pie. So they're not even eating the pie. They're just like, okay, we're going to save this and get more stuff to make our own more pie. Yeah, I'm so going to scarf ourselves. this whole thing down, but you can eat whatever I drop on the floor. Like, exactly. It's just, it's just so demeaning and just... Like don't 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 Americans deserve dignity and like to not have to beg? Like I just feel like like that's what you know like a a gig worker economy um, of uh, you know vulnerable people who uh, you know for whatever reason just have never gained any power, any political power, any economic power. Um, 
and they are basically forced to to beg you know for for you know for their entire lives or to be mm-hmm. corporate indentured servants to live under the chains of student loan debt or medical medical bankruptcy or uh buying a house you couldn't afford because some asshole convinced you that you could afford it with this ridiculous loan um i i I mean you know one of the greatest early disappointments uh, by obama was when instead of giving helping out bailing out the homeowners he bailed out the banks yeah he bailed out the perpetrators of this crime yeah that was and sad they didn't to see. do shit to and solve the problem. That was the same thing that W did um, in the beginning of the the economic crisis. Was you know he uh, I can't remember the secretary treasurer at that time, but he was always sweaty. He had the glasses, and he, you know he just talked and drank a lot of water. And it was like this guy is really nervous. Another I don't Eric, think he. <laughs> yeah, I think so, <laughs> but um, he was he was. He did the same thing where they bailed out themselves. Uh, everyone else failed under the predatory lending and all other type of predatory stuff that was happening within the bank and the financial sector. Uh, a lot of a lot of folks say that's when the United States died was during 2008, and um, we have been in a coma state since then, and. Uh, as like Trump. Obama was a nice dream that we had, and and it and like it slowly became a nightmare called Trump. <laughs> right, we couldn't wake up. We realized we couldn't wake up. And... I mean, it's so hard to kind of disconnect Obama and Trump because they had this like rivalry that I think, in so many ways, fueled Trump's ascendancy. And now I look back at it. There's one. That's yeah, Obama's black. Got it. But. I think there was this ego game going on between the both of them. I believe there's an ego game going on right now where we're looking at a continuation of Obama's legacy uh, with Biden. Like like when I was talking about how some people, I mean, I I think Obama understands power. But when I was talking about people who just kind of senselessly dunk on others, you know, just kind of because just, I mean, in the same way a bully goes and picks on somebody because he's bigger than them. Um, I don't, I don't feel sympathy for Donald Trump, but I remember that moment when he was being made fun of, humiliated in front of an audience at the White House Correspondents' Dinner by the president and everybody was laughing at all of his jokes and he's making fun of his hair and he's making fun of his, you know, his ridiculous presidential run. And you just see him just like, his, he's just burning holes through Obama. <laughs> like he's just so mm-hmm. pissed off. And I'm like, that's, I mean, a lot of people, I think, correctly associate that with kind of the moment that started this whole mess. And, you know, it makes me really think about the shit that I say and <laughs> like, um, you know, and the power of words, I guess. Yeah, there's a power of words, but. You know, when we saw that a couple of weeks ago, where, you know, he called basically a riot to take yep. over the Capitol. He so sure did. Apparently it's been in the works for a while, but. Yeah. What, I mean, the, the power of words definitely really, instigated it. <laughs> absolutely. And, and that 
goes into my next statement where he was, he, you know, when you're a leader of any magnitude. The leader of the most powerful, richest country in the history of the human species, the you know, in the history of nations, America is, you know, peaking in every way, right? Right. You need to be <laughs> able to watch your mouth. And supposed greatness and also assholery and destruction. <laughs> yeah, we are just, peaking in many ways. Right. Just watch your words. And... Um, you know, there's a lot of recordings of previous presidents cursing and getting angry and upset that come out later on in life. But, you know, I think Trump just was no unfiltered. Secret. There's no secrets. There's We know everything. <laughs> yeah. We know exactly what an asshole he is. And, like, I mean, we could probably guess what he's doing right now. <laughs> like, he's... Like, He's probably cleaning off his golf cart, uh, golf clubs, and you know, eating a Big yep. Mac with soda, and yep. uh, and He's like, going Come on, on Melania, to play. I just need one, just one tonight, please. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and you know, it also makes me think because we didn't see any activity today at all, not to my knowledge. Nope. So it makes me wonder, you know, now they're already attacking the issue that these guys are not on these major platforms or social media platforms. They're doing uh, discussions and planning through encryption. Mm -hmm. uh, that's that's a concern for all of us, really, because I, I, I mean, is I mean the privacy is privacy and freedom of speech. Yeah, is the problem that people are communicating in private or is the problem that people have been instigated to plan attacks on america in private because i mm. think we're going to conflate these two and blow up both experiences mm -hmm. um i i really worry about the presence and pervasiveness of technology in our discourse and i say this as somebody who you know loved the internet growing up and would you know love to chat with his friends on aol instant messenger which is probably the you know the early moments of me kind of like forgetting about the time that was before that right like that where you couldn't just instantly talk to anybody like text messaging wasn't a big thing like you used to have to get a separate device a pager to get those messages right mm -hmm. <laughs> right yeah and 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 you know i think the way technology is advancing we're, we're losing a lot of our privacy and you know, even to see cryptocurrencies uh, make their rise, uh, it's, it's, it's a matter of, and you hear your, your, your leaders say, oh, these are our problems because we don't know how they're being used or they're being used to launder money. When we mm -hmm. all know the major thing that, you know, if you want to hold, hide money from the government, you use cash. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if I... Because cash has such a great reputation. The exactly. American dollar has a pristine reputation, never been used for any any ill ill purposes. Um, cash is king. So yeah. uh, you don't... But not just any cash. It. Typically, the American dollar in terms exactly. of cash. Like, exactly. So I'm not going to, you know, hey, man, give me your drug deal or we don't condone drugs here, but... You know, a lot of drug deals probably not going to be made with the exchange of Bitcoin. 
So <laughs> I'm just not I mean, seeing that. Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel uh, we're is an excuse to usher in a more tighter grip on us to say we want to know that give it and take it philosophy of what each and every transaction you do because you have to play on the game that we've created and another tenfold hat situation but you know we're not that far away when you're just getting dropped 600 or 1400 or whatever ubi is like pretty prevalent now so it's, it's kind of it's made its way into the discourse andrew yang mm-hmm. succeeded I and mean, now he's running for mayor I mean, in a way, I mean, because like, you know, he, I think he was realistic about his chances and he felt like some kind of success would be making this issue, this, this need really uh, um, for what he calls normal people. And the most normal of Americans is a woman in her 50, a working woman in her 50s. That's the most normal American. When you look at all the statistics about who are the, you know, who, what's the most common worker? That's it. And, and so, you know, in his book, uh, The War on Normal People, he talks about like, what is the plight of someone like, like a working woman in her 50s? Uh, it ain't great. <laughs> no. And it's getting harder, actually, because I know with this pandemic, you know, women have been hit the hardest. Uh, they're mainly, especially mothers. Um, yeah. Whether they're I, I can't single imagine. or married person of color, whatever, uh, umbrella you fall on, under as a woman, it's, it's pretty tough for them taking some, on all the more responsibilities now. I heard some statistic about just like the, the rates of children being, you know, born into single, to a single parent or just like without any, any kind of like two parent household, like it, the two parent household, um nuclear family is going away like apparently i like um the the rate of of single parent households is skyrocketing apparently yeah and we're not even you know our our life expectancy has gone down i guess here in the united states and also we're not having children because i guess well we're guessing anymore but we're burdened with debt you know because you can't afford it what am i gonna uh, throw a human life on top of uh, my list of responsibilities that include, you know, trying to pay off a, you know, a student loan debt or or medical bankruptcy or the other things that are, you know, um, putting, as Andrew Yang said, a boot on the neck of the American public. Yeah. Um, it's time to get that boot off our neck. <laughs> right. And it's not wrong with having a boot off your neck. You know, I believe you know, everyone needs help some kind of way. And uh, whether you're rich or wealthy or you're living on the streets, there is some thing helping you. And um, we need to really erase that stigma of help. Uh, I know a lot of people wanted to talk about mental health and therapy and making sure, you know, that stigma is removed to see a therapist. Well, how about we just get used to being comfortable asking for help and not as a sign of weakness? Um, yep. Yep. We, we really done a number on that. Even as, you know, men, we don't ask for help because it's nope. a sign of weakness and um, it's reinforced in our societal uh uh behaviors where it's like oh 
you didn't. And imagine just how how helpless you you might feel if you're in a situation where you legitimately need help, but your pride or your however you were, you know, I think I I think a lot about how women are accultured in a certain way and socialized to be a certain way and deferential in a certain way um, by their mothers who were taught the same things, right? But then, yeah, these, you know, the male, the male psyche has its own issues. And just like, if, if you just feel like you can never ask for help and you need help, what does that create? I think it creates resentment or despair or helplessness or, uh, you know, feeling like you have to, or, you know, I don't know, I could see that just like leading to a breakdown, you know, because it's just like you're pitting your survival against your pride or something. And that's, no, a, that's a tough situation to be in. And I feel like I've, I've courted that space before in my life. And yeah, I think we all have to some degree, Tom. And when it comes to, again, healing the nation, the soul of the nation. Yeah. Um, we really need to examine our soul um, before Trump uh, because our the soul that we our so-called healing led us to Trump mm-hmm. and uh, the repercussions we don't know yet of what will come after him but you know I, I was looking at the inauguration I was like oh so I guess racism is now over again or <laughs> you know any inequality is, is all that stuff is it's over it's done we're well, all equal again i mean Equity. i i think i think it's also i think it's absurd to say that racism ends and i also think it's absurd for anyone to try to pinpoint when racism started um mm-hmm. and i i mean you could track it back to Carl von Linnaeus, the father of anthropology, who articulated that this color range is this, and this color range is that, and these people are this, and those people are that, and, you know, was kind of a racist asshole because he invented race. Um, uh, You could trace it back to that, but I kind of think, like, you could trace it back to, you know, just our evolutionary kind of programming that, like, Mm -hmm it's really, really unlikely for 99% of our ancestors before, you know, boats and mass transportation, it's really unlikely that you're ever going to see anybody who is significantly different from you. Like, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you know, you're going to see people in the next tribe over, but people didn't travel thousands of miles. Um, you know, I mean, certainly the Moors, they made their way through the Silk Road. And and I think that was probably, you know, probably transformative of that part of the world yeah they stayed for a long time yeah so i think that's why italy kind of like is a little different (laughs) (laughs) they got a little bit more rhythm over there i don't know but (laughs) they have better suits at least there you go right? right so yeah i don't know we're we're we have a lot to uh consider and i don't i again i'm 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 hopeful, always. I am weirdly also. (laughs) I don't know why. (laughs) But we don't need to put our faith uh, in the wrong areas where we feel as though now we can kind of 
now we we know we can't just clean our hands and walk away uh, from the political world or um, we're still in the pandemic at that. So uh, we, we, yeah. we, we still need all hands on deck. You will need all hands on deck. And we also need to hold, I think we're gonna see more accountability within the Democratic Party. The Republican Party, I think, is pretty much in disarray for a really long time, trying to figure out how to separate themselves from Trump. But, uh, Do you think, or, it, think they will? No, because there's going to be some good old boy politician that's always going to invoke the Trump era and maybe even rally up some friends to, you know, kind of continue on uh, his mantra and legacy. But I, I feel that's going to be a bigger issue. I think we have inner party turmoil that yep. that is going to be an issue. And we're going to, it's going to be highlighted a lot, probably more so on the Democratic side, who knows what's going to happen because now mainstream media doesn't have a boogeyman anymore to talk mm -hmm. about and blame everything. Oh, so I'm it's going to be really so curious. Thrilled that they have lost their 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 um, uh, what is it their money machine their, their rating generator I guess yeah their their golden calf I don't know what what is what what is he in there I mean like. Like he was their business model, essentially. Like he created careers for, you know, people just go out and Russia, Russia, Russia. I know. Um, and, and he's a racist and he's a Hitler and, and, um, and fascism. And, you know, like, like th there used to be this kind of um, questioning or, or com maybe almost a complaint by some on the left, like, oh, well, why is, why isn't there a Fox News of the left, you know? And like, we need that, I think some idiots said. Like, uh, like because we need to counter-program. We need our own propaganda. And so fine, they built that in several, in, you know, organizations. And they, they all have this Trump brain worm. Um, <laughs> and, and, the, and their whole rep, and that's the problem with them, with us, you know, kind of monetizing our discourse in this way and the transmission of information and facts is that these people have based, based their reputations, their careers on this shit that they said. And they're going to double down anytime that shit is challenged or they're just going to live in a bubble where there's never even the possibility that it'll be challenged, which scares me because I feel like at scale, when that just like permeates our society, we all atomize into the, if we're not already there i think we are already there it, we atomize into these intellectual gated communities where we're just saying things to reinforce our own uh pre preconceived notions and to to uh, re reassert our biases absolutely it sounds like the social dilemma but in real life yep and just, just uh, with many other avenues of of atomization right so we we've Again, I'm hopeful. But, but, but we, yeah, we can end on, I think, some hope. So what is, what is your hope for this year? What, like, if you had to be hopeful, Joe Biden's got control of the government. Um, you know, supposedly he's going to work for the working class because uh, he's working class Joe, right? So 
Um, if those are his constituents, supposedly, even though he put a lot of them in jail um, or helped put him a lot of them in jail and keep him there, um, what what is he going to do? Um, or what do you what are you hopeful about? If I mean, it doesn't have to do with uh, Joe Biden being president, and the Democrats having power, because that might fill you with despair. But yeah, uh, <laughs> absolutely. But yeah, um, what, what's your or or if you wanted to give like predictions or but yeah, what what what's giving you hope? Um, I'm hopeful that we have a small segment of people willing to work for the people, um, the working class, the real working class, the grassroots effort. The essential and, workers. Right. And, and we're going to find out now that they have the stage if they're really for the people. And I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful about that scenario that they prove us that they are. And with that, that can start a wave of a new balance because we need a new left versus right. Um, yeah. Because right now it seems as though we're, our policies are all center driven and we need to, we need to find a new center of yeah. how we conduct politics. So I'm hopeful that we will see some changes along uh, the government that way. Uh, I, I, you know, it's really hard to say what I'm hopeful for because I don't have a lot of trust. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, trust and hope are very much uh, kind of interdependent. Right. right. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think that's what I would say I'm hopeful about. And, and you know, only time will tell. So uh, I, you know, I wish the best of luck for our new elected president. And um, it's, it's going to be a heck of a ride the next four years if you think that Trump was it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think we're about to find out again, like we have deeper issues. He's uh, that, not going to go away. He yeah. doesn't, he's like a shitty ex. Like that's, I think the most appropriate description of him. I don't yeah. think he's a monster. I just think he's like an abusive ex who, yeah. who, who just like doesn't know any boundaries and has never had any boundaries. You know I mean? Like let's remind, remember that the guy was a millionaire before he could talk. Like yeah. he doesn't live in the same reality that we do. And some people thought that's a great idea. Let's, Put somebody who has no fucking understanding of the average, the plight of a normal people. Um, I mean, and and in the in a way, like Joe Biden, you know, had that maybe he had some kind of uh, working class roots, but I feel like he's completely forgotten about them. I mean, mm -hmm. the, like like he he's trying to like make it like as if he's a normal or an average person but he's been a senator for like 40 years mm -hmm. and if you go and look up how much he was making when he was a senator when he started in the senate he was making like the equivalent of like over 100 grand um when he started and so it's just like he's never he hasn't been like 
working class in a long time. Right. That's like uh, even if you rode the fucking Amtrak, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, no one cares about that either. You know, it's like the analogy where Oprah was, I think, talking about reparations, and it's like Oprah, you've been a billionaire for longer than you've been poor. Great story, Oprah, by the way. But you know, you you're you're pretty disconnected from that that movement and there's nothing wrong to say that they're disconnected but i feel she's just waiting for every other black person to become a billionaire exactly that's just her expectation that this will all trickle down eventually and uh, you know rising tide lifts all boats oh yeah we've seen how that plays out but anyway tom what are you hopeful about you know um a few weeks ago, I went downtown uh, just to drive around, and I there's the 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 Burger King on Colfax, and it's completely boarded up. I, it's probably been closed since the pandemic came came about, but somebody had written in spray paint "Fuck you, pay me" <laughs> on on the Burger King that was boarded up completely, wow. and I was like, "Fuck yeah, like <laughs> that's." <laughs> That's the attitude that the American public should have right now, I think. And I think that in two ways, there's no putting the toothpaste back in the tube of this understanding by Americans. Any risk. And then there are the essential workers. The people who have to be out there wearing masks, doing the, you know, the worst work for the least amount of money and putting themselves the maximum amount of danger. And maybe they've been noticing that (laughs) since the beginning of this whole thing. And uh, I think it was, I I forget who said it, but there's been like this acceleration process of the neoliberal, you know, order um, in the last year to to the breaking point. I think, um, and and there is no kind of like hiding all this stuff anymore. There's no more hiding the Jeffrey Epstein's, you know, and the the you know the fact that so many people just live off of their investments and don't don't work, and you know, like Nancy Pelosi having a six hundred dollar hinge on her fridge, like, <laughs> like oh, Nancy, like, like this stuff we we're not going to unlearn, and I don't think, I hope. My hope is that the American consciousness will not forget these things. Um, that we won't be bought off by neither a six hundred, neither a fourteen hundred dollar, neither a two thousand dollar checks. We're not going to be bought off. I mean, that will help, but not until there is actual set in stone laws, not promises, not executive orders, none of that. I, there needs to be laws set in place that do we need a new new deal we need something different and you know maybe that 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 redistribution comes in the form of a jobs guarantee that actually provides you know workers with dignity and a you know pay rate that actually lets them afford to live where they want to live um maybe it comes in the form of ubi mm-hmm. um Maybe, you know, Andrew Yang's going to experiment in New York. Maybe he'll get elected. Um, and, uh, and, you know, he'll start a grand revolution of universal basic income. Um, 
I'm fine with what I, wherever we go with this. I, 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 I just, I'm, I'm tired of the old order that you, you correctly identified. We're all reascending to their old positions. And um, my hope is that they feel just a, like their power is somewhat under threat and that they don't feel entirely secure with, mm. um, with their bullshit. Mm. That's, I think that's, that's it for me. It's a great hope, Tom. <laughs> well, it was really good to record with you. I don't know what we're going to do with the Woken Dead show this year, but I think we should record more. And so listener, if you're there, there listening. One listener. <laughs> Our one listener. Um, we, we love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for being with us. And we will try to deliver some more content to you this year. Awesome. We'll see you soon. See you soon. <laughs> All right. We're still recording.